another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing great, Jody. That was pretty energetic. Yeah. Intro. I, I, I it was also it. harmonized. I, Wee. <laughs> harmonized with yourself. No, with right? the music, actually. <laughs> yeah. As one does. As one does. How's life going for you? Everything good? Yes. Everything's honky-dory at the moment. Let's just move on and I'll ask you a question. Yep. What do you think about esoteric effects? What do I think about them or what do I think they are? I'll answer both questions, shall I? <laughs> Go right ahead. I, I do like them. They're esoteric for a reason and that you don't use them all the time. What I think of esoteric effects or what I think they are is probably the question that I should answer. And that's things that we don't generally use. Mm. Things are a little bit off the, the beaten path as far as like how we, we make some sound, I guess. We all know about compression and EQ and reverb and delay and that kind of stuff that we use in just about every mix, right? I think of esoteric effects as things that are not that. Not but, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not your bread yeah. and butter is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. What about you? What What's your thoughts on it? Do you echo that sentiment or would you elaborate or... Yes, I echo the sentiment. It's effects that are not common all the time. Obviously, the common effects all the time would be things like delay and reverb. Boom. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's like your bread and butters of just about everything. Sure. Any effect that goes well beyond that in terms of stuff that you don't use all the time, I believe that becomes esoteric. And there are things that aren't necessarily used all the time, but are still considered bread and butter, like chorus or flanger or something of that nature. But then things get a little bit further out into the abyss and you get other <laughs> effects out there that aren't quite used as often as say chorus or flanger or something like that, or even phaser. And it becomes a little bit more esoteric. Yeah. Cause it, it comes down kind of to how often we use things and some of these effects that we're, we're going to talk about now are almost straddling the fence of sound design as well as just production to get oh for sure sound to what we want it to be, right? Sound manipulation, baby. Yeah. The first one that I come to think of when I think of esoteric things is frequency shifters or ring modulators. Yeah, those are pretty esoteric. Yeah. Not something and you use I, on your day-to-day -day basis usually. Well, not me anyway. <laughs> if you're doing, you know, 90s, 50s TV sci-fi shows, you might use that because it, it has that kind of sound to me. It's easy to just sort of bypass them because they can sound so extreme. We just they can one on, and we don't necessarily know what they do, right? But with some experimentation, they can, of course, have that really out there sound, that sci-fi, metallic-y kind of ringing thing. With some subtle values, we can just add some nice kind of movement and, and shimmer to something. So are you going all in on it and making it something really weird or are you just adding some subtle movement? It can kind of do everything in between there. And so You're referring that, that, specifically with ring modulators and frequency shifting, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. You know, a few episodes ago, we talked about chorusing. Yes. Right? How it adds that movement to a sound. Mm -hmm. We can do that just with rig modulators. It's just we have to have like really low values because essentially they start 
self-oscillating with higher values. So it adds that sort of shimmer to them. Well, the idea but, uh, there is that it's taking a frequency, you're adding another frequency to it, you're blending the two together until they become intertwined. And I, my understanding is that the idea of actually calling it ring modulation comes from the actual original analog circuit design, which was literally a circle of analog circuits. <laughs> That's right. why they called it a ring. That The idea there is that it takes two frequencies and starts to blend them together. And of course, the choice of the frequencies can determine how ridiculously dissonant that can start to sound. Yeah. And in Logic, actually, it has a really nice ring mod. It has mm -hmm. a little bit of a arcade GUI now, but with that... Vintage it, is cool, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you should see some of the third-party options that are out there. I was like, ooh, GUI design. It also combines that with a frequency shifter. So, you know, Logic, it's called the... What's it called? Like the ring mod or, or mm -hmm. the... Ring mod. Yeah. How you can add frequencies as a frequency shifter to that as well, so where it adds another frequency. Just with the modulation, it can also modulate the sound from an internal LFO that's going on there. And there, if you keep those at lower values, you just get a modulation, a rise and fall in volume of uh, the source that you might be using. So it can be a cool, subtle effect, not the one I reach for all the time, but it's there, so it's uh, one to start off with. It's there, so play with it, get to use it, understand it, then put it in. <laughs> Yeah, or just pull up some presets and see what it does. Maybe you get lucky, right? Right. Well, I think our next order of business in terms of esoteric effects is right along the lines, you're, I would almost call it your bread and butter, but I'm going to guess it's not. Eh, not really. I, I'll wear the mantle, but I don't use it as much <laughs> as I, I did in my industrial past. The use of extreme distortion or bit, bit crushing. crushing. Yep. Maybe not so much in esoteric effect is straddles a little bit of the, on the fence here, but what we can do with it and the uses, I think. Sure. Again, it's a nice effect with bit crushing and just reducing. Well, you'll often hear mix engineers talk about adding harmonic distortion and those kinds of things, but this goes a few steps beyond. Yeah. Because harmonic distortion is something where you're pushing the gain on an analog device. Whereas with extreme distortion and even bit crushing, it becomes more digital in nature because with bit crushing, you're removing information to create a stepwise effect through the audio. With extreme distortion, you're just adding so much gain depending on how you're doing it that it becomes clipping and other various forms of distortion that give you things well beyond harmonic distortion. Yeah, it's not the pleasing kind. Right. It depends. Right. Like, Bit crushing well, can, can be fun, but yes. Yeah, you're essentially removing information because mm -hmm. you're reducing the bit rate and just lopping off harmonics and making it sound very extreme. But but that's something that you hear a lot of talk today in mastering, actually, about by clipping and subtle amounts of clipping to get certain amount of, of loudness as well. Yep. So it's not like it can't be used in subtle ways, but that's not what we're thinking about now, or at least I'm not thinking about. I'm thinking about really sort of mangling something. Right. And um, what's your favorite bit crusher? I usually just use the one built in in Logic. Okay. I, I actually like that one. It's not a bad one. When I'm thinking more extreme distortion effects, I will usually reach for the decapitator sound mm, toys. Yep. I like that one a lot. A lot of people like that one. 
Yeah, for good reason. And it, it does, <laughs> you know, subtle things really well as well. If you're really mangling something, that's cool. But I do like the, um, the logic bit crushing. Mm-hmm. And just as a little tip to throw in there as well is it obviously adds some artifacts that might not be super pleasing in the highs. If you're using bit crushing, it could be a really cool tip to use a high cut filter. To get rid of that, the additional rich. noise up top. Right. What about you? Do you have one? Do you use it a lot? Or When I go for bit crushing, I'll use the Logic Bit Crusher. Sometimes I'll pull up the Logic fat effects and try out some crazy things there as well. Yeah. And in terms of extreme distortion, I think my favorite idea right now with that is to use Universal's audio recreation of a rat distortion pedal. Ooh, their nasty. version of it is so ridiculously <laughs> over the top that it's very easy to distort things extremely harsh <laughs> in a sense. So, yeah. yeah, the rat pedal. And that's not necessarily so esoteric as it was meant as a guitar distortion pedal. Yeah. There again, you kind of get into the territory or production technique when yep. you're mangling something. So I do like that one. There's another one that I used to use a fair bit, and that was Outputs Thermal. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those sort of multi-band distortion effects units where you can automate everything. In That's sort of along the lines of um, Fab Filters Saturn. No, because it, well, in the distortion way, yeah, but it's more of a sound mangling tool that you can automate mm. everything, every parameter in there, and it's a little bit more involved than Saturn, mm-hmm. almost along the lines of, of Logic's fat effects. As well, sure. I think you mentioned if you have a knack for wanting to automate everything in time-based or not time-based, that might be one to look at. Right. I was going to say, it's not one of those set it and forget it because it can be. You can go ridiculously deep in that one. So I used to use that one a lot, but I've since kind of stepped away from it. But All right. Question for you. Yeah. In your notes, you're using IRs as an esoteric effect. Can you explain that? I can. You'd be forgiven for thinking, well, I always think cabinets and stuff. And it's not like you can't use cabinets on, let's say, vocals or something to, to just mangle it. But, but it is that idea of using IRs that are perhaps of rainfall or a fire or something. You're just kind of capturing an IR of something that is not intended to be used as just a space or, okay. or a cabinet. So that's what I'm talking about there, where you can use IR, so pretty much anything mm-hmm. to, again, just manipulate audio and completely transform it into more of a sound design type of idea. Thinking in terms of that and, and yeah. that concept, does AudioEase still make speakerphone? That's a good question. I'm not know. sure they do. That is in a sense, what came to mind when you said that you were thinking of using things like fire and whatnot, they had a plugin called speakerphone that allowed you to use different environments to manipulate sound. So you could put your sound inside of a empty van, so to speak, or yeah, yeah, some other type of weird environment that you wouldn't normally think of. And it was meant more for post-production for film and TV, I think, than it was for music. Right. It was fun having that one and was available, and I don't know if it still is at this point in time, where you could run any old musical sound through it, too, and put it in some bizarre environment. That's 
kind of esoteric in my mind as well. Yeah, so it I fits think along that, the lines of the IRs because I think that's what they were using was IRs to do that. Yeah, I think it was just proprietary IRs mm-hmm. for AudioEase, right? But yeah, it's the same way of thinking there, right? And I know they had spaces from subway station speakers or mm-hmm. megaphones and all that kind of stuff, transistor radios and things. And, and that's something I actually use a fair bit in my own production. If I'm Transistor radios? Some, yeah. Okay. Just like that, just to make something sound really, really small mm. or, or IRs of them, actually. Right, but, right. but I tend to use um, Space Designer for that for, in Logic. So. Right. But that's when I'm thinking with IRs, how we can use things to tweak things. And here you can go nuts, right? You can either try to emulate a space like, oh, this is going to sound like you said, the aforementioned van. Right? Right. It's supposed to sound like it's in a car or throw something completely different at it and just experiment. That's a cool one to do as well. Another one I'm going to ask you about here, because this goes back a little bit, this plug-in, vinyl effects. Yes. As to kind of make your audio sound that it's coming from vinyl. Or at um, least it's supposed to. <laughs> right. That's the idea uh, anyway, to add vinyl yeah. noise. Right. And we're not talking about the, the air quote here, pleasant vinyl sound. We're talking about scratches. And, and pops and clicks and, clicks and, pops and, and all warps kind of and all that kind of thing. Yes. Right. You ever use that? Or? I have multiple times. And the plugin that I used most often with that was the Isotope Vinyl plugin. Did it so extremely well. The other cool thing about that particular plugin, and I'm not even sure it's still available because I haven't used it in quite a while. I think it is. Is it? Okay, maybe free. they've updated yeah. it. And yeah. the idea of that is that it, in addition to like setting how often you could get pops, clicks, and scratches and those kinds of things coming out of your speakers with it, They had eras, 70s, 80s, 60s, whatever, that you could set the dial to as well that would change the EQ curve to make it sound like it was EQ'd from vinyl of that particular era because the EQ of vinyl changed over time. So that was another interesting addition to that. That was a cool one too. And I remember they had some sort of like Easter egg on it where you could click one of the air quote screws on the interface and they would open up and have some additional parameters i think i'm not sure if that's still there so don't hold me to that <laughs> but uh but that's a cool one another one but speaking of like vinyl effects there was also an early plugin that was called i think it was called the amazing slowdowner or something i where, seem to recall a plugin of that kind of nature yeah in terms where of it was more of like what a dj would do spinning actual records, slowing stuff down. And right, scratches and putting and that his kind fingers on there, and then it would slow the audio down. Yep. Yeah. Of course, That's now, kind of esoteric. It, yeah. In Logic today, of course, we have the Remix plugin, where you can actually do that kind of stuff or similar stuff in, in real time. So Fun stuff. It, yeah, kind of cool, right? Now that we're done talking about vinyl, let's move on to a word from our sponsor. And we're back. We're going to move on to our next little esoteric topic. What is it, Chris? Granulation or granular synthesis. Yes. Uh, this is something that people that, well, like Venus theory, I don't know, are, are well steeped in this kind of effect of, of sound creation and sound design. It's something that we can use not just strictly for, as a synth. There are plugins that essentially process audio in this way. Mm-hmm. It's really good as a way to really add another almost ethereal or pad-like quality to sounds where you can 
really time stretch stuff. It's something I've used in the past. The process is that it slices the audio into small little grains, as it calls them. Okay. And what you can do with that then is that it could move the transport faster or slower or the proverbial transport here in the plug-in. So you can have this kind of like skipping motion. Well, that almost sounds audio. like something else we're planning on talking about, stutter edit. Yeah, but then the audio is just moving in one way. With granulation or granular synthesis, you can move backwards and forwards, and you can have multiple playheads and that kind of thing. So you can get this really out there sound. Hmm. It's something that I've done in, in songs before where I've taken a vocal and put it into a granular engine. At that point, I think I used something from Reactor, one of the ensembles that was there, where you can just tweak it and elongate it. So you almost lose the definition of the original source is. Uh It can add like really cool elements if you you set the parameters just right. So it just slows everything down and just gets them. It's really hard to describe (laughs) what it sounds like. But uh, if you're familiar with with granular synthesis, you'll know the process and the sound. So like I said, I've used in the past. I don't use it every day or it wouldn't be esoteric to me, but in this way. Well, it's still esoteric to me because it's a point where I've never actually used something like that. So I need to delve into that one. Yeah, it's cool. It's a certain... Effect, you know, I mentioned the reactor ensembles that you can find if you're a native instrument reactor user. Output again have another plugin dedicated for that called Portal mm-hmm. that I mess with every once in a while. And again, here it's it's a deep plugin deep. that is, yeah, you can automate everything. Unfiltered Audio has one called Silo. It's another one that's kind of cool to kind of mess with. So we could probably spend few hours talking about just the techniques of granular synthesis, but that's for a future episode. (laughs) That's for a future episode or probably for somebody else who's more versed in it to to, to describe. But uh, another effect that you like and use more than I do. Vocoder. Yes. What's your uh, favorite vocoder track? My favorite vocoder track, like where is a cool well, example it of it? There, oh, there's plenty out there, but I guess the one that's maybe the most fun because there's a really interesting twist to how it gets used is Mr. Blue Sky by ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. And the main reason for that is, is that there are people out there that believe that the last vocoded phrase in the song, which happens right around the four minute, 51 second mark, is... I suppose Jeff Lynn singing through a vocoder saying, Mr. Blue Sky, yet again. It's actually saying, please turn me over. As they recorded that back in the day when you were recording on vinyl, or at least your final product was going to vinyl. And that was the last song on the side of the record. And it literally says, please turn me over in a vocoded really sense. Cool. <laughs> so you knew that you need to flip the record over and listen to the next side. That's a fun example of a vocoder. Other artists like Imogen Heap, she's notorious for using vocoder on some songs and such. Vocoder is a really fun example of just being able to really twist a vocal. And then if you take it to an extreme where you're using it with MIDI, because you don't have to, depending on the vocoder that you're using, you can run automated versions of vocoder that are 
maybe not quite as manipulatable as if you're running it with a MIDI keyboard and you can actually play out chords and sing into it and have this really lush harmony. Some people associate vocoder with kind of like a robotic type voice that can happen and it would sound maybe like the cyborgs from Battlestar Galactica or something from back in the... uh, When did that first come out? Anyway, my favorite vocoder that I tend to use is the soft tube vocoder that is created for the UAD Apollo system. But I've Mm. also made plenty of use of vocoder with just the straight up vocoder in Logic. Right. And I'm kind of familiar with the fact that you don't like Logic's vocoder. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's not my favorite one. Well, it's to say that. It's there. I I don't use, and maybe I would use it more if I had one that I liked more. Sure. There's been times where you and I have collaborated in you suggested something. Let's try vocoder on that. And I internally go, fuck. No. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it can be a cool effect if it's done right. And uh, perhaps if I, you know, felt the need for it, I'd get another one that I might like better. Sure. Another one that's really, really good is the Isotope Vocal Synth 2. And the update to that plugin actually has a lot of esoteric effects that are very much meant for vocals, but you can use them on pretty much anything. But it has a nice vocoder in there. In addition to that, it has some others like a biosynth to the voice and a way to change the formant as well. So you can kind of change almost the gender nature of the vocal, which is pretty cool. Then it comes with a lot of other effects, including pitch shifting, which is not necessarily so esoteric. The vocal synth too is a really good multi-effect unit plug-in type thing that gets you a lot of crazy effects in there. And then you can dial them all in and blend them all in different ways. It's pretty wild. So I like that one as a... That, that's good. Because, I mean, that, that's one that is... I'm not sure if it was intended for post more, but again, it's a very good sound design tool. Yes. I think for just that, because you can can make somebody sound like proverbial demon screaming at you, right? <laughs> so if you liked it, do you ever use it on anything other than vocals? Have you tried that? I've tried it on some guitars. I haven't tried it on a mess of different instruments, but thinking about it now, I probably will. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot there to unpack, right? There so. is. I mean, it's a very in-depth plugin, but we're talking about vocoder specifically on that, and that's where I'm throwing that in. Yeah. So we're kind of getting into some of these sort of multi-effect units, if you will, sure. there, that, that we're talking about. And for me, with the next category here, because we've we got like rhythmic effects and like gates and, and, and tremolos and things, mm-hmm. to me, that really became in vogue in the 90s, probably. I, I want to say like late 90s when it kind of came on my radar okay. with EDM and things, and certainly like an artist like BT mm-hmm. with stutter effects and things, right? Chopping up that audio, baby. Yeah. At that point, obviously, he was doing it by hand because he's a really precise kind of guy, right? I think it came on my radar when I heard a bunch of the remixes of, like, Rob Zombie and that kind of stuff, right? It had that a little bit more of those almost like dance-like elements, and I thought, oh, that's cool. Self-dated today, but it, it was really, really cool at that point. Well, he also and, uh, invented the plugin that I mentioned a little bit earlier, the Stutter Edit plugin that is put out in conjunction by Isotope, and they've yeah. since done an update to that Stutter Edit too, which is taking it to way next level in terms of what it can do. It's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, and that one especially, I think it's really crazy because it was designed to be used in real time mm-hmm. as well. So all that processing and stuff that's going on, and, and if you've never used Stutter Reddit, go check it out because if you're into that kind of music where you like that DJ dance music, that, that type of stuff, it does that amazingly well. And things that would just take forever to do by hand with automation and cutting audio and stuff, it actually does it automatically. So that's one that first version I used a fair bit when it came out. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing tool still today, obviously. Yep. The next category of things is almost it's borderline in terms of an effect but there are plugins now that will do this for you and it's automatic panners of sorts the first one that comes to mind for me that i've got is by boz digital labs called later l8r and yeah. pronounced later it approximates the concept of the Haas effect in a sense with a very simple interface which is cool mm. what yeah. about you I just discovered a plugin that I almost pulled the trigger on. I checked it out and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I got busy and never got around to, to actually buying it. It is Pan Man from Sound Toys. Okay. And at first we, we think like, oh, panning. Yeah, woohoo, super exciting, <laughs> right? Left or right. right. What this can do is that it can add these automated pan moves, not just going from one side to the next. And sure, they can do that. Limit the scope of how it moves so you can have it just automated moving a little bit in your right speaker, that type of thing. You can set the range, how much it's moving. It can even move that to the left and going back and forth and all these rhythmic effects that, sure, you can just do that with automation, right? Uh And sit there and do it. Again, really tedious to get that to where you want it to be. So, that was another one that I thought was really cool. Being Logic users here, I suppose we should mention Logic's step effects. Those are pretty well. wild. There's some pretty interesting presets in there, plus you can really manipulate the bejesus yeah. out of things there. Right. I said to you before we started recording it today that I think those sort of multi-effects from Logic mm-hmm. don't get as much use as they should probably. Sure. And I have nothing to base that on other than your that, own anecdotal evidence. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't really use them a whole lot and I don't think you do either. And I never hear anybody talk about them. But they actually are really, really cool. I think they suffer a little bit from GUI design. So maybe that's an honorable mention on some esoteric effects is all three of the logic ones, the logic remix, the step effects, and the fat effects. What are some others? I would throw in the uh, Kilo Hearts Mm -hmm. bundle. All of their effects. GUI design is super straightforward. It's just that there's no fancy graphics or anything, but they work really, really well. Okay. I think those are really cool. I mentioned output already a couple of times, but they also have an older plugin called Movement that kind of like what the name implies. Like you can add some movement to the audio. So, I mean, there's tons of these. All you got to do is just do a Google search for (laughs) these kind of effects and you get a really long list. That's at least some of the ones that I use and that you use. uh, Yeah. So I think this ties it up pretty well, thinking about some esoteric effects in your if you want to add a little bit of production candy, as it were, in your, in your <laughs> Listen uh, to you harken back to a previous episode. Absolutely. All right. With that, let's move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got this week? 
I discovered a plugin that was very much topical for this week's topic. And that's a company called Minimal Audio. Mm-hmm. And they have a plugin called Rift that is now Rift 2, which does a lot of the stuff that we've just been talking about. A lot of modulation sources, there's distortion, there's filtering, all that kind of good stuff. So if, not to sound too much like an ad here, but <laughs> if one wants to get into this and you don't have any of the stuff, that, that might be a good option for you. So Minimal Audio Rift 2 is my Friday find. Uh-huh. What about you, man? I'm going with something that probably be more along the lines that you follow that you'd use more often. And I know that you actually already have this. It's the saturation knob by Softube. Hell yeah, baby. It's a distortion saturator type thing. And the cool thing about it is it's free. (laughs) (laughs) You can't beat that cost right there. And Softube is known for making some really awesome effect plugins. My choice. Yeah. Saturation Knob by Softube. Cool. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll get weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this lovely podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio with the word esoteric if you can even spell it, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say, see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody. 